together. I literally, I just threw a sweater on. I just drove my son to school and I'm like, oh my God, I had to walk the dog and this is yes. not put together yet. Oh, well you look put together, so. Thank you. Where are you? Where do you live? Natural Bridge, Virginia. Oh, oh, that's so interesting. We have an area in Santa Cruz where near where I live by the beach called Natural Bridges. I knew about you, trying to think of when I knew about you, but then we recently did a, um, there was a Zoom meeting where you were featured and I thought that we were all in on camera. So I was like waving hi to people. And then I realized that I was just like a participant and no one could see me. And so I love that. It was really good. And you did talk about breastfeeding and chest feeding. We'll get into all of that um, because it's super important. And I'm telling you, women who are HIV positive, this is such a huge topic. And I'm not the expert because I've never been through it. So I'm super glad that you are so um, well-versed in all of this. You've obviously have kids, so you've done this yourself. So uh, yeah, oh my God, I'm so happy to be talking to you. Um, But can we, first of all, are you cool with talking about your uh, HIV story? Yeah, and totally. it all happened and all of that because people are always interested in that, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my, I guess my HIV story starts in, I was living in Richmond, Virginia at the time with my friend um, and I was teaching dance. I went to school for dance, trained in dance, um, graduated from college with a dance degree. Um, and so I was teaching like 20 dance classes a week. That was my bread and butter. Um And I just kept getting like sick frequently, Um, like just really feeling awful, run down, um, you know, just not very good. And I kept going to urgent care. I didn't have a primary care physician at the time. Um, And they kept diagnosing me with a virus. They said, you have a virus, you're working too hard, you need to eat more and you need to sleep more. And I'm like, excellent. I'll do that and make money as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, anyways, one weekend I went out to Mexican with my boyfriend and his friend who was in town. My boyfriend was going camping the next day. And I remember we like went to Mexican and I was so stoked because I live for nachos and margaritas. Like that's my thing. (laughs) So I was so excited. I got off work and we went to go eat and I had like one margarita and I was just ill, like so ill. I vomited all night, vomited all the next day. And I felt so bad that my boyfriend was going camping and, you know, I didn't want him to stay. I'm like, no, go like, have a good time. I'll be fine. I was dying. Like I had this like ringing in my ears, like in my head. I just felt like my brain was going to break my skull. Like my head hurt so bad. And I started getting these like red splotches all over my body too. Yeah. And I just, I felt really, really awful. Like I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And so I'm like, I need to go to the doctors now. And I, you know, went to go get in my car. I put my keys in the car and I couldn't remember how to drive a car. Yeah. And so I just, I, you know, decided that was not safe for me to do. So I called an Uber and, um, the Uber came to pick me up and I just remember like waiting for this Uber, like I need to be helped right now. Or how long I, ago was this, by the way? How long this ago? is in 2016. 16. Okay. Same year I was diagnosed. Okay. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. February, so February 15th. Yeah. Okay. So go really? ahead. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, I just I remember standing there waiting for him and I'm just like, I'm not gonna be okay. And then the the Zoom driver or the Zoom driver, sorry. <laughs> the, Uber. <laughs> the, the Uber driver, he pulls up and I get in the car and normally I'm a pretty friendly person. I'll strike up a conversation, how are you doing and everything, but he just kept trying to like talk to me and I just couldn't, I couldn't speak back. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. I just can't talk to you right now. My head hurts so bad. Wow. And I, you know, got to the urgent care again for like the fifth time. And they're asking me all of my personal information and everything. I couldn't remember my address. I didn't know my social security number. I just, and I just told her, I said, I'm sorry, I can't explain it. I just don't know what's going on. I don't know these answers. Um, and so she said, okay, you're really not feeling well. It's okay, we'll deal with it later. Um, and sent me back to a room and they drew my blood and everything was fine, except for the fact that I had like no white blood cells at all, um, like barely any. And still they diagnosed me with a virus and said, work less and eat more. You know, I lost, lost a ton of weight as well. Um, and, you know, then I went on this long pursuit of trying to figure out what was wrong. I felt like I was a hypochondriac because I was telling people like, I'm so sick. I feel so awful. And they're like, okay, Heather, you know, I don't know. You're sick all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, did you have this, a similar experience? Kind of. Yeah. Cause I went to the doctor so many times within like a month, my boyfriend, ex-husband at the time was starting to kind of like wonder if I was sort of, he, we'd only been dating a year and he was like, maybe she's sort of a hypochondriac, you know? Yeah. I'm like, but I feel like crap, there's something wrong. Like it's not going away. So yeah, yeah. totally. I did. It wasn't, he never expressed that to me, but yeah, he told me later, he kind of had wondered if I kind of was a hypochondriac. I'm like, I'm not, I swear. Yeah. So, That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. When I, my boyfriend, I was with him for like a year too. When uh -huh. we we're living together. And he also like, after the fact was like, yeah, I was kind of worried about the fact that you might be a hypochondriac. I, you know, I myself was questioning, I'm like, am I really sick? Like it was just a complete, it, it threw me, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I got home from the doctors. I, went on this pursuit of finding a primary care physician. Um, I finally went to the doctors and I'm talking through all of these things that I'm, you know, all my symptoms and everything. And she tells me, you know, okay, we're going to test for leukemia, lupus, uh, autoimmune and all the list and everything. And yep. then the room and I'm just sitting there like, okay, we're going to find out what's going on. I felt happy. I'm like, I feel like crap, but I feel happy because I want, I'm going to find out what's wrong with me and, and fix it. Yeah. Fix it and feel yeah. better, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so then she comes back in the room, like really quickly and she says, you know, can I ask you a question? Can, can, would you be okay if I ran an HIV test? And I said, you know, yeah, but I've been with my boyfriend for a year. Like I've been tested before that. Um, sure. You know, I guess so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so fast forward, it's weeks until I get the results back. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like waiting, feeling awful, absolutely awful. And I had started a new job and uh, I had to go to Charlottesville the next day, like commute to Charlottesville 
to go work with this, you know, these people that I just met, my coworkers, and I'm trying to like make a good impression. I feel like crap. Like oh I feel so awful. And so it was a day before I was supposed to leave. And I get this notification saying like, you have a test result in on your portal. And I log into my portal and it says HIV RNA reactive. Oh my God. I, yeah. Like on the computer, just got an email, like you, you're HIV positive. People don't believe that we find out over the phone through emails. I know a lady who was rejected from life insurance and got hers while she was opening her mail in her car. That's how she found out. I mean, people think that you get put in this room and there's counseling and there's people taking care. No, (laughs) doesn't always happen that way. No. Oh my God. Okay. So you open up the email. Yeah. So I open up the email and I see that. And then I called my boyfriend into the room and I'm like, can you look at this? And, and both of us are like, nah, like that's right. That's not real. Maybe it's, you know, something else. I'll call the doctor. It was a weekend that this happens. And um, so I just sort of like, didn't even think about it, you know, because it was that far out of my mind. And I just really didn't think it was a possibility for me. Right. So, you know, I go on the and we're working through, I worked with like over a hundred children. I was doing an outreach program, teaching these children dance and bringing them to the theater. And so, I mean, there's like, oh, like probably over 200 kids that were like ushering in and out, like trying to teach the movement on the stage, get them back to the dressing room. And I'm just like dying. It's so bad. Oh my God. So, yeah. So then we go to lunch And, you know, I wasn't eating, I couldn't eat. I was so nauseous and throwing up and just like, you know, going right through me, everything. It was so bad. Um, So, yeah. So everybody decides to go to Chipotle. And so I'm like, okay, try and get some food, you know, try and eat, try to vibe with these people, get them to like me, you know, because I'm insecure. I, they're all best friends and I'm just new one in the group. Oh my God down and we're like eating and then I get a call from the doctor and I'm like oh one second like let me go step outside real quick so I can take this call well I pick up the phone and it's the doctor like calling me to make an appointment and at this point I'm like okay but I need to talk to you about something because I saw something online it really upset me I saw like HIV RNA reactive, like, what does this mean? And she goes, Oh my God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what, sorry for what, like what I don't understand. And so she said, it, we have a new system. It was not supposed to get posted. So sorry. You found out that way. Oh my God. Yeah. Like you are HIV positive. So I am outside of Chipotle, like crying like tears running down my face like in front of everyone I go around back to the building and then I have have to call my brand new boss that I just met she just hired me and tell her I was just diagnosed with HIV someone needs to drive me I carpooled I didn't drive myself someone needs to drive me from Charlottesville to Richmond so my boyfriend can go get tested for HIV and so that's like you know, an hour and a half drive. I'm sitting there like driving back. Um, I'm sorry. I need water. I've been <gasps> and you're not with anybody that's like of comfort to you. Cause you're, these are people you don't even know. 
Oh, no, girl. I was with the secretary of um, Richmond Ballet at the time. Oh, my God. What to do other than like talk about it, you know, and and I just opened up and I said, yeah, you know, I tested positive. Of course. Yeah. It's just spilling out of me. Yeah. And then yeah, you're in survival mode. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to see a doctor right now because also I'm not educated about HIV. I don't know how to take care of myself. And I had in the back of my mind that I was going to die. You of know, course. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get back to Richmond and luckily I was able to make an appointment for my boyfriend to get tested that day. He got his test results back and they were negative. We hadn't been using protection either. It's, you know, I talk about this all the time, right? Yeah. yeah Email to yes. mail is so uncommon. Oh yeah. I was with my yes. boyfriend for a year also. We never used anything. He was negative. And I was with yeah. somebody else for six months. He's negative. And that was during the time that I had it. I had other people that I'd been with during the two and a half years that I figured out when I got it to when I was diagnosed, none of those men got it from me. And then also like, I just had a woman recently reach out to me who was, she's been with her boyfriend for the last eight years. She's in San Diego. And the infectious disease doctor told her that he's going to turn out positive because there's no way that they could have been together eight years and he didn't give it to her and he's negative. So she realizes she got it from somebody before this boyfriend. So she's been with this man for eight years, no condoms, he's negative. Anyways, she doesn't know, I I don't even know if she's figured out who she got it from, but she knows that she's had health issues for eight years and didn't know what was causing it. So now she knows, but anyways, so just another example, like I keep yeah. In advocacy, I see that all the time. It's not talked about enough, but I do bring it up a lot, but okay. So he's negative and I'm sure. Yeah. The hell? yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, thank God. But also like, what the hell I, and I'm thinking back, like, where did I get this from? You know? And so then I have to have another doctor's appointment to get the test that tells you like what your viral load is and yeah. CD4 and all of that. So that's another weight, you know, why um, the hell did it take them so long to get an antibody result? That should be 15 know. minutes. Oh my yep. God. And yep. you're like literally dying and trying to work. You should have been in care mm-hmm. that same day. Like that's yep. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh nope. my God. Okay. So then you have to wait like another freaking week, 10 days for the viral load CD4. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to hear what they were. Yeah. So, so I, Finally, my mom comes to town because, you know, my boyfriend has to work and I'm like, I can't do this by myself. And, you know, so I go into the doctor's office, I sit down and he just starts like telling me my viral load and CD4 account. And I swear, I thought he was going to be like, it was a false positive. I, at that point, still, even through all of that, I thought he was going to tell me it was a false positive. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he's telling me my viral load and I don't remember exactly what it was. And actually my CD4 count was, was all right. It was not, it was not too bad, but he tells me you should feel really lucky to have these numbers because most of the patients that come in here do not have these numbers. And that was the first thing that he told me. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And so he's just going on about, you know, well, you're going to have to take medicine. You can take it every day and it'll, you didn't say anything about being undetectable. U equals you. We didn't talk about that at all. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, like I, this is the first time I've ever experienced an out of body 
you know, feeling. And I swear that I felt like I was just like floating above my head the whole entire time. Like he was speaking to me, but I wasn't hearing what he was saying. And so I just asked him like, am I going to die? That was my first question. And the second one was, am I going to be able to have kids? Um, And so he, he said, you know, you're not going to die. You'll be able to have kids, but you'll have to have them via C-section is what he told me. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and he was not an HIV specialist. He was just an infectious disease. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, that's yeah. who I got the first round. Was the first doctor didn't know enough, and he he put me on a tripla. Oh my god! Like he didn't even know my CD4 count, and he didn't even realize I had AIDS at the time. So yeah, it's like who you see in the beginning. Oh my god. Okay. So, and and why did he say your numbers were? You were so lucky to have the numbers you had. Why did he say that? Because I didn't have an AIDS diagnosis. Oh, okay. Because your CD4 wasn't under 200, which is crazy because it sounds like you were. Mm -hmm. I know. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. And, you know, looking back, I, I had been living with HIV for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. I had been with my boyfriend and then all the times, you know, leading up to that, I used protection, you know? Yeah. And so it was from an ex-boyfriend that was, I was in a relationship a while ago, like, like a year, two years, three years. I don't remember exactly how long, but I, it was a while that I was living with it. And I guess, you know, just working so much and being stressed, like it sort of took over, but did you confirm with that person? I reached out to them and he told me I was crazy and that he's in the military and that you get kicked out of the military if you had HIV. So, well, isn't there some truth to that though? Don't they test them? So, so what, how do you, how did he stay in the military? So I, so I've done my research and I, I could be wrong in saying this, but I believe that with a positive HIV diagnosis, you can still be in the Navy and, but you cannot be like transferred other places like overseas. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but he, for you, you narrowed it down and had to have been him basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And of course he tells you you're crazy. That's nice. Well, you always, that's how the relationship went. So (laughs) yeah. Do you, just out of curiosity, do you think he got it from being with other men in the military? He did. He did. I I really believe. So after we broke up, I um, had heard that he'd been sleeping with other men while we were together. Mm, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It goes along with my theory as, as per usual, but anyways, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, after, you know, finding out my CD4 and viral load, uh, I'm given a card and he circles the name of a medication. And he said, I'm going to call a prescription in for this. Um, Go to the pharmacy, pick it up. Oh shit. You froze. And and it is 7,000. Oh my God. Hold on one second. You froze for a second. So he tells me, hold on. I, I have to hear that part. Okay. So repeat that again. So you, you get your prescription, you get to the pharmacy and they say it's $7,000, $7,000. Oh, yeah. okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I'm like, I, what, like, you know, and so I'm in the pharmacy, like crying, I don't have money for this medication. I don't know what to do. So I leave the pharmacy and I'm like, I don't know. I, I can't pay for it. So I can't get my medication. I had no idea 
about like copious assistance or, you know, here we have ADAP, which helps pay for your medication and everything. I had no idea. Didn't you know, the pharmacist know this? Mm, they didn't no, know. No, nope. They're like, wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to die if I don't get it. Exactly. Oh my God. That's sort of how I felt when I was diagnosed. I felt like, am I the only person in this town that has HIV that's getting this medication? Right. Did you feel that yeah. way? Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, you're hit with that and no one's educated at all on really how you can get access to medication, which is yeah. terrifying for you, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking back and honestly, I don't remember what happened or like how I discovered how to, you know, get my medication or get assistance. I want to say I got a case manager. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then since then I've been on medication and I've been undetectable, like, you know, I think it was like within the first month of taking medication and yeah, people ask that all the time. How long did it take? How long did it take? I said, it was about six weeks. That was Mm -hmm. it. I mean, I I was like, Oh, what was your viral load? Would you find out? Um, I think it was like in this like 700,000 or something Uh like that. It wasn't too bad. That's funny. Mine was 507,000. I felt like that was pretty freaking high. I don't, when I got that number 507,000, it made me feel that I was that much more disgusting. Like, I don't know if that, that number equated to me as I'm that much bad. I'm I'm a bad person. Like it's, I'm full of it. I'm filthy. Like it was the worst number for me to hear like a five. I can't even comprehend that number, you know, and Mm -hmm. I know people get it in the millions and stuff, but, um, that's right. funny that you didn't take it that, that it was just only 700,000. I Right. Well. You know, I think, I think that I took it that way because of my CD4. Okay. Because he was telling me my numbers, my CD4 was so good that I should feel lucky or something. And so maybe yeah. that's also probably the fact that I was floating above my head and not taking in the information anyways, you know, yeah. it's so hard to recall some of these details because I really feel like I was not in my body during this time. You know, Mm -hmm. I was not in my body and it, I just, those weeks, man, like I, you know, I dance for therapy. That's like what I I love to do for myself. I, all I did was just dance. What kind of dance? Just, um, so I trained in modern dance, but in like improvisation and stuff. I mean, I lived in this like tiny apartment with my husband or not. He's not my husband with my boyfriend. Oh, so yeah. that, he's, he's still with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot the, well, so I danced in the hallway of the apartment is the gist <laughs> of that. Yeah. So the day that I was diagnosed, um, like that night, uh, the next day was my boyfriend, now husband's birth, sitting on the couch, watching something. I wasn't watching TV. I was just staring, um, And he says, you know, I have to go to the bathroom and I'm like, okay. And he like grabs our cat and takes our cat in the bathroom, which like, okay, this may be weird, but like, that's not weird for us because he just hangs out with us in the bathroom, like our child. Um, And so then he, you know, comes out of the bathroom and the cat like jumps up to uh, the couch where I'm sitting. And my husband's like, or my boyfriend now husband is like, what is that? Like what's on Mowgli's neck? And I like, look, and it was a ring and he proposed to me. Yeah. So he proposed to me the day that I was diagnosed with HIV. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So that was all in the works. Mm-hmm. No, oh. it wasn't. he found out, well, he knew that I had my test that day. And as soon as I told him he was at work, as soon as I told him it was positive, he left work and went looking for like a ring. Oh my God, Heather, that is, yeah. <laughs> that, I'm going to start crying. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, I, what an amazing guy. That's freaking yeah. amazing. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, that every girl yeah. worries that that the guy will run and he did just the opposite. Oh my God. Give him a yeah. hug for me. That's so freaking amazing. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's, that's yeah. so great. What's and his name? Rory. Is Rory. His name. Oh, Rory. Mm-hmm. That, oh, how did you, <laughs> so you're sick. You've got this new diagnosis and you've got this. Now you're engaged. My God. Yeah. That's a lot but, to take in. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not it. Oh. So, so he proposes to me and then we get an alert on our phone that there's a tornado and there's a (laughs) watch and so we had to pack up our cat and the cat carrier and like go down into my car that was in the parking garage below our apartment and like wait out the storm and so at the end of the day like my most vivid memory is pulling like we were in the car and we pulled up to where the garage door was and we Uh just lifting the garage door to like look at the storm and like oh my god yeah it's It's like out of a movie Mm -hmm. total faith though obviously I mean there's that's an amazing story my god no one else (laughs) I've ever met has had that kind of story wow but obviously you guys were okay from the tornado (laughs) yeah we were fine we were fine and you know then we you know I was on medication it took me a long time to obviously accept my diagnosis and Mm -hmm didn't come out until I think I was living with HIV maybe a year or two. And I posted a dance video online, um, AIDS day and, you know, a long explanation about how I was living with HIV. One of the things, you know, I taught dance and I had all of these students and, you know, all, I taught all of these children and my thought was, you know, they follow me on social media. They'll see this, like, what are they going to think? Right. You know what I mean? Um, they were so supportive and the parents of the kids, you know, were so supportive and so awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I work in the school district and obviously people know about it and stuff, and, but I've never had any trouble at work, thankfully. And ironically, when I was diagnosed, I had an exchange student from China. Um, I'm still sniffling from your husband. Um, and I had to contact the, um, the exchange program, which the lady who runs it used to be a neighbor of mine, but I had to like, let them know, Hey, I was diagnosed with HIV. Uh, Xavier knows I'm sick, obviously. And like, it's going to get back to his parents in China. How are they all going to, he didn't care at all. He was just like, feed me at night. Like that's all he cared about. Um, and the exchange program, was like super sympathetic. They were very nice. And they continued to ask me to host students after that, which I felt was just, it said so much about like how they didn't hold any stigma over my head. They were still like very comfortable having, you know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even an issue. And it was like, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be at all, but it was just amazing to see that. I mean, I've even had a PE teacher who's left me her whistle on the clipboard when I was going to sub for her because I substitute teach. And I thought, I mean, I wouldn't even use her whistle, even if I didn't have HIV, but the thought that she just left it there for me, that I could share a whistle with her, like that mm-hmm. said so much too. So anyways, that's awesome that you had that kind of support. It, it really helps a lot. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like 
there were the positive experiences, but then there were the other experiences, you know, where stigma just completely took over and people don't know anything about each other. So, you know, I, once we moved to Natural Bridge where I live now, I taught, I didn't teach, I did ABA therapy in, in home, like therapy for children with autism. Mm -hmm. And I had a parent that went on Facebook to look me up beforehand and saw that I was living with HIV and called my boss, my supervisor and said that she didn't feel comfortable with me being in home. Bummer. Total mm -hmm. bummer. Is that where you announced it on Facebook? Yes. Yes, that is when I did. I announced it on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's but I announced hard. it. I was out about with my diagnosis or open with my diagnosis way before then. But I mm -hmm. guess you know. Were you nervous or was it more like exciting? And it's sort of a for me, it felt a little bit like a, a kind of a relief. Like I I was yeah. ready to talk about it. So. I was ready. Yeah, I totally agree. It was just. I think if I had to live that way, you know, if I was living with my entire life, there was no way that I could do that in secret. Right. And it was a relief for me to, to come out about it. And, you know, my entire life, I've really struggled with my relationship with my father. We just, you know, are not the same. We don't align. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the first time my dad ever told me that he was extremely proud of me. Oh my gosh. You know? Wow. And, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And it's a huge step to become public. It's most people don't obviously, but there is something about it where you just want, I mean, I don't know if you got that feeling um, where to me, the whole thing felt absurd. And I thought, I don't know why people don't talk about this. This is not affecting me. Like, I just want people to understand it's a pill now. It's not what you think about in the eighties and nineties anymore. So that, that, and plus I wanted to try to find more women that were HIV positive. Cause I don't know about you, but I didn't know anybody for five months until I put my YouTube video out. I knew no one. That was it. Yeah. Nobody. Your, yeah. Your YouTube video is like one of the first things that I found. Oh, you did. Oh, after I was diagnosed, I watched your YouTube video. Yeah. I did. Oh man. The first thing. Yeah. Oh, you should have written to me. I didn't even know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I didn't, I, I really wasn't involved in like advocacy or anything until mm -hmm. like about a year ago. Um, oh. And before that, I really wasn't surrounded with other people living with HIV. It was just like myself and my HIV diagnosis living in a world, you know, with no one else to really empathize with and, and, you know, share space with that knew what it was like, you know, and yeah. so coming into the advocacy world, uh, which, you know, it was HIV and breastfeeding, which brought me there, um, I've met so many amazing people that I love entirely with my heart. And, and it's just so nice to be surrounded by people who understand. It um, is, it is. It's in a, it's a whole new world that I never knew I'd be a part of, but I'm so grateful to be a part of it. People always say, do you ever regret having HIV? I'm like, uh, no, because it's like changed my life in such an amazing way. I mean, I really like new people in my life, the, you know, being able to help people and all of that. So so, okay. So that, that's your story. And I'm sure there's more to it because you've had kids. Um, so I want to get into, well, having children, first of all, and how that was for you. And of course, breastfeeding, because mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, with you equals you and how that all works out. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it. Okay. So, yeah. so you, you have yeah. kids, you have two, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a three-year-old. She just turned three on the first of January. She's a new year's baby. Uh -huh. um, oh. <laughs> Yeah. And then yeah, I have yeah. a, a one-year-old. Uh, oh, you so do? Okay. 
Uh-huh, Aurora and Zephyr. So I have the daughter's older and then the son is younger. Um, so yeah, I when I moved to Natural Bridge, I wasn't, I was feeling weird. And so I decided to take a pregnancy test and I wasn't, it wasn't in my mind that I was pregnant. I wasn't like planning for it to be positive, but I was on the phone with my mom and I'm like talking to her about something. And so I was taking the test while I was talking to her. I didn't even tell her. And I interrupted her and I'm like, mom, I'm pregnant. Like, so it's super unexpected, but really exciting. Um, but I'll tell you, my first thought is that I'm going to do whatever these doctors tell me to do, because I do not want to transmit HIV to my child. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they tell me to do, I will do it. Um, and it wasn't, I had to like shop around for doctors. Um, I went to one infectious disease doctor and I met her for the first time and that was her last day at work. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And, um, but she told me, you know, you can have a natural birth, which is something I didn't know if you're undetectable. And so that was a huge win. And she also told me, and you can't breastfeed. And so I said, okay, like I, you know, wasn't planning on it, knew that that was a thing. Um, and then I met my new infectious disease doctor, the angel that is Dr. Fallhaber. Um, and he, you know, oh, just, he, a man yeah. even. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. He is an amazing man. Um, he was counseling me on, you know, just what, what were my thoughts is, you know, becoming a new mother and he was very warm and congratulated me. And then he just asked me, how do you plan to feed your baby? And I said, formula, I know I'm going to use formula. Um, and he goes, well, have you ever heard of the promise studies in Africa? And I, I said, no. And he educated me that the risk of transmission from mother to child when mother is virally suppressed is less than 1%. Okay. So when he said that, it sort of set, set my head spinning and he said, it's absolutely your choice on how you want to feed your child. But I just wanted to put that out there. Wow. So I went back and forth doing research. And when I, you know, researched HIV and breastfeeding, you find the CDC guidelines that say, do not breastfeed. Absolutely do not breastfeed. Then you find the World Health Organization guidelines that say, um, you know, in low resource settings, uh, breastfeed exclusively for six months, and then, you know, introduce foods and continue to breastfeed for up to one or two years. Um, So then I'm finding articles like do breastfeed, don't breastfeed, do breastfeed, don't breastfeed. And I'm so confused, don't know what I'm going to do. I ended up starting my child on formula in the hospital because I was afraid to bring it up because of the stigma of it. You know, it's not talked about. Well, yeah, and you're going to be like with all these nurses around with their eyebrows raised going, because they probably have no idea. Most nurses don't know much about HIV. So no. yeah, I can only imagine. And that's going to stress you out. And then you're supposed to be nursing and having this moment. And Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm about to like push a baby out of my body, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like very focused on that. It was also a very traumatic birth because I was induced at 39 weeks because being HIV positive, uh, made me a high risk pregnancy, even though I was undetectable, even though everything, you know, I take my medication and 
there is, you know, no risk of transmitting the virus to my baby through childbirth, but any high risk pregnancy, they induce you at 39 weeks. And my daughter was not ready to come out. Like she would still be in my belly right now to this day, if she could. Do you and think that that was, um, like, um, kind of a crazy diagnosis? I feel like that's like above and beyond, like that's not necessary to say you're high risk. No, no, okay. it's totally not. Totally okay. not. And right. I, the right. second time around, I advocated to not be induced at 39 weeks Okay. because of this, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was over 30 hours of labor. She ended up getting stuck in the birth canal. Um, it was just, it was really traumatic. And so at that point, I'm just like ready to feed her formula. I'm just gonna, you know, You're exhausted. go ahead with that. Yeah. Um, and so she, after she'd been born, we were moved to a new room. Um, it was maybe like midnight and I just kept having these feelings when I was feeding her, that that's not what I was meant to do that I was meant to be feeding her from my body. And that's, it was just a feeling and it was a very strong feeling. And yep. so um, when the nurse came into my room to, you know, check me, give me medication and everything, I asked her, I said, you know, my infectious disease doctor talked to me about the promise studies. Um, the risk of transmission from mother to child is less than 1%. When mother's virally suppressed, virally suppressed. I want to breastfeed my child. Can you please talk to my infectious disease doctor? And so she said, well, you know, it's midnight, (laughs) but in the morning, yes, like we'll have a conversation about it. And so the lactation consultant and the head uh, pediatric nurse came in and I told them the same thing I told the nurse and they were hesitant but I gave them the information to call my infectious disease doctor and mm-hmm. they came back in the room and said, absolutely, you can breastfeed. Like, oh my God. Let's get you a pump. And so I'm just like overwhelmed with this emotion because I'm like, yes, like I get to do what I am feeling so strongly that I want to do for my children or for, for my child. And um, also I'm so nervous, mm-hmm. nervous still because I'm like, I have that, what if, you know, like what if, and, and the risk of transmission is so low, I'm taking my medication, but what if, and Mm -hmm. have a very hard conversation with my husband. And, you know, he said, even if our child contracted HIV, they would still be just as strong as you are. (sighs) He was totally supportive. Wow. He was just in it with me and we dove in and, and, I started pumping. I didn't get any lactation support in the hospital as far as my daughter latching. And so I was exclusively pumping for oh. her. So pumping a bottle, then feeding her that bottle. And it's recommended that you exclusively breastfeed for the first six months. So no formula at all, no mm-hmm. mixing. Um, and so it has to just be breast milk. And I mm-hmm. didn't need donor milk. So I'm pumping, trying to get my milk supply up because she didn't latch right away and feeding her these bottles. And on top of that, I had researched flash heating, which is, uh, it's a practice done in Africa and it's often done when the mother doesn't have access to antiretrovirals. You take the milk and you put it in a glass jar and you raise the temperature, you put it in a glass jar and you put it in like a pan of water and you boil the water. 
and you raise the temperature to a certain degree and then take the milk out, let it cool, and then feed that milk to your child and it kills the virus in the milk. I've um, never, that is amazing. I've never heard of that. It makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, my infectious disease doctor told me this isn't necessary. You don't have to do this. Um, and even told me that with the flash heating process, it's like it's pasture pasteurization, you know, it kills a lot of the live cells in the breast milk that are so beneficial. Okay. Um, when the baby latches, there's backsplash. So the baby's saliva actually goes into the mother's body and tells the mother's body what's like what the baby needs. And so it, all of these active live cells are constantly changing in your milk to accommodate your baby's needs. That that is insane. And so if you're pumping, you're not getting that backsplash also. No. Yeah. 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 Right. I I, mean, you still have the live cells, but it's not exactly like perfectly personalized to your child. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, for three months, I mean, my daughter didn't latch and I was so nervous. I was, that's a long time. Yeah. So I was pumping and then flash heating, like boiling the milk, waiting for it to and then wait and then feeding it to my daughter. Stressful. My God. Yeah. And you know, I got an infection on my nipples because I didn't know how to use a breast pump. So I thought so painful. Yeah. And so I thought more milk equals, uh, or, or higher setting equals more milk, like gonna just go through this, like cringe, but you know, I need to make milk totally opposite. You don't want to do that. Don't ever do that with the breast pump. It will just damage your nipples. And so yeah. I ended up getting an, an infection and I called uh, a breastfeeding support group, La Leche League. Yeah. It's like an international group and just yeah. breast. It's actually really great. You just call the number and tell them what your issue is and they counsel you. So it's really mm-hmm. But I got this one woman and I explained to her like what I was doing, my process with flash eating and everything and why I was doing it. And she told me that she had just gone to um, this meeting for La Leche League where the, the person leading the meeting had said, if you ever find out that a mother uh, they used infected with HIV is breastfeeding their child, call CPS immediately, report them immediately. Oh. My God. Yeah. That's their instructions. Super. Mm -hmm. So, and you're calling for support and she's telling you that this is what are they going to report? They're going to report you. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like crying because my boobs hurt. My child's crying. She wants milk. And they're telling me like, she's bringing up CPS. And so I'm just sitting on my bathroom floor, like in front of, I have like a heater because it's, it's cold and everything. And I'm just sitting there topless crying with my crying baby. And um, it was awful. But I ended up seeing a lactation consultant who worked at the OBGYN office who is, was absolutely amazing. And she knew about HIV and breastfeeding and was really supportive and happy that I was breastfeeding. And, you know, she treated me for the infection. And so that was so helpful to have that pick me up after being essentially threatened with criminalization, which is, you know, so many mothers living with HIV for even expressing the desire to breastfeed are at risk of criminalization because of outdated HIV laws in their state. I mean, it's ridiculous. CPS has brought up, been brought up 
uh, with so many moms who breastfeed, even if, it, if CPS isn't called, it's threatens to them. And so it scares them wanting to advocate for themselves because they don't want to lose their kid. Well, you know? That's, I had no idea there was the whole, that aspect to it at all. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to be aware of that. And that would be, and is that throughout the U S every state? Not every state. So not every state. Uh, a lot of the states have updated their criminalization laws um, or abolished them, but there are many criminalization laws still enacted in states that even even uh, it, it like phrases transmission as a sex, but also like spitting spitting on someone. You cannot transmit HIV by right. spitting. Oh well, right way. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. Or like biting something like that. I mean, just wild stuff. And so if there's not a law that specifically says like you cannot breastfeed while living with HIV, they can do get you for something else. It's like medical negligence or, Oh my God. Child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, child endangerment or something. Yeah. Yeah. So if they want to get you, like they'll do whatever they can. That's great. That's great. Nice to know that you're going through all of this, like physical trauma. You're, you're a new mom, like the hormones that are already going crazy. And now they're, and you're already dealing with the diagnosis and you're finding out good things about it from one doctor. And then all of a sudden you're being told you're going to be, I I can't even imagine in that moment being told that you're basically have criminal charges against you and your child taken from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I always like traumatizing. It, yeah, it was totally traumatizing. And I always speak to the fact that like, this is happening to me as a white woman living in the South. You know, mm-hmm. so if I was a woman of color, I probably would have had my baby taken away from me. Jesus you know, Christ. Very, yep. very yep. different narrative. You know, so um, the end of the story with my daughter is that I ended up, she ended up latching at three months. Like I just decided to try one time and it was magical. And she did. And, you know, it, we had an excellent breastfeeding journey for 14 months. Um, and she's HIV negative, happy, healthy, um, thriving little toddler. <laughs> I'm like 16 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So then when I was pregnant with my son, I had advocated for myself before and I had the same providers. And so I felt much more confident, you know, going into it and was able to breastfeed in the hospital right away. He latched. We had an excellent breastfeeding relationship. He just recently weaned at 14 months and he is also HIV negative, happy and healthy. Yay. And you had both of them vaginally, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. No trouble at all. Did they have to take medication um, for a little bit after like PEP or whatever? Yes. So they were both on prophylaxis um, for actually it's normally six weeks after delivery is the standard, but Mm -hmm. both on it for the duration of breastfeeding. Oh, okay. Six weeks following um, as just an extra preventative but that's not recommended in all places. Some places, you know, you they you say if mother's virally suppressed, then she can breastfeed. And, you know, like uh, in the UK, mm-hmm. that's what guidelines say. Um, right. But here in the US, it 
your child normally is given prophylaxis throughout the breastfeeding period. Oh, throughout. Okay. So that's just an extra, extra layer of protection. Okay. So I have to tell you when I went to, um, Amsterdam, 2018, we were there for the U equals U day. Were you there? I wasn't, I wasn't. Okay. So it's the big U equals U conference day. Everybody that I know that's an HIV advocates there. It was crazy. It was, and you know, Fauci was there. Uh, Pietro Vernazza was there, who is the author of the Swiss statement that basically said, when your viral load is undetectable, you can't transmit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's on stage and he's talking about the, how amazing U equals U is and that, you know, we can't transmit it via sex or childbirth. And he throws in breastfeeding. And I was like, oh, wow. I'd never heard that until that moment. Yeah. You look at you you're like, huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. He said it. And Emily Carson, do you know Emily? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. She stood up and raised her hand. She was with Krista Martell from the Well Project. On the, mm-hmm. It was so uncomfortable and awkward. Emily got up and challenged him and said, you know, she said, this is not true. It's still, I think her percentage was something. I talked to her outside of the conference because I was blown away by the whole thing. But she kind mm-hmm. of like challenged him and said, you cannot say that. So she said it was something like maybe like 2% chance or less, but she said, it's not confirmed that it's a zero risk. There aren't the studies aren't there to support it. I remember her mentioning the promise studies. Um, And anyways, it was an awkward time because, and you could see it all over his face that he felt that he'd been, he'd said something he shouldn't have said. And, and it it really wasn't like later I talked to Bruce Richmond about it and he confirmed that that was uh, a mistake. And it was a really awkward moment because here we are celebrating you equals you and he threw in breastfeeding. And I never heard that until that moment right. that he, he misspoke. Wow. So I know like now, if you go onto the prevention access campaign website, they do, you know, when they ask about breastfeeding, they kind of deter it to, or defer you to another website and say, read through this information first. Somewhere I saw it. I don't know if it was Twitter. Uh, I almost said Tinder, Twitter, but somebody <laughs> Some woman had written like all the reasons why it's still not safe. And she, what she explained. And so that's why I want to ask you about this is that it's because it's the quantity. It's because there's so much um, taken in from the baby who has a very small, you know, weak immune system. And it's because it's the quantity versus like, if it's sexual, that's just like the quantity of liquid or you know virus that would be in a liquid is so low and we aren't exchanging large amounts of liquid so it's just impossible but it's different with breastfeeding because it's the amount and it's constant that's the other thing it's a it's a constant um you know exposure to big amounts of liquids i don't know so how what do you have to say about that because i that always kind of confused me yeah yeah so that yeah i've heard that as well and also the idea that uh with hiv there is free cell virus and cell associated virus. And so the cell associated virus is the virus that HIV connects to your T cell. Mm -hmm. And um, once it connects to your T cell, it becomes sort of like a bakery and then starts making HIV replicating it. Um, And that's the free cell virus. And that's what our antiretrovirals get rid of is the free cell virus. But then the cell associated virus doesn't go away. It just sort of goes, goes to sleep and becomes dormant. And so the fear there is that at any time, like a sickness or, you know, 
something were to come up mastitis, um, that cell-associated virus could wake back up and continue making free cell virus again. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also the same in you know sexual encounters as well. But then again, it goes back to the quantity and everything. Um, mm-hmm. That's it's uh, still this big unanswered question because we don't have the research to, you know, understand it as well. Um, mm-hmm. Smoke is just is different. It's complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, also the studies that we do have are often done in low low resource settings where the testing, viral load testing is, it isn't done as regularly as as it is in high resource settings. Um, And so there's question as to whether the transmissions that did occur were because of adherence issues. Like if the mother did not, you know, take her antiretrovirals and then her viral load were to spike and then transmission were to occur. so there's consideration about the types of drugs that they have in low resource settings versus the triple therapy drugs that we have that are so, you know, effective in, um, you know, suppressing the virus and keeping us virally suppressed. Right. Um, and so those are just a bunch of questions that, you know, we're advocating to know the answers to get the research done so that we could really know because breast milk is magical and it really builds the immune system of a child. It gives them like this wonderful start to life. And so, you know, we should be able to understand and know how to navigate infant feeding and how to make shared decisions with our providers and to, you know, really, really advocate to know the information so that we can make a choice that's best for us and our families. Um, Definitely. I had a question about, um, the, uh, PEP for babies in, um, like third world countries, is that accessible to mothers? So yes, um, it depends. It depends. I've been in contact with mothers who do have that for their child. And then I've been in contact with mothers who don't, are not even able to, you know, secure their own antiretrovirals for themselves. You know, so there's, and, and there's also a lot of, um, like all of this knowledge from the promise studies and everything, a lot of women in Africa don't know that they Uh don't about, you know, if they take their medication and if they are virally suppressed, then it's such a low risk. Um, so they're asking, they'll message me and they ask like, how do I stop from, how do I keep from transmitting the virus to my child? I don't know. So there it's just like a lack of education and like a lack of information in a lot of places Um, here too, but, you know, CDC guidelines, you know, saying do not breastfeed, use formula, kind of take the question off the table to begin with, you know? Right. And a lot of doctors are probably going to stick with that. Like, you're so lucky that you had one that supported you, you know, because it changed everything for you. And then you became an advocate on it. So you're you know, giving mothers this option that they probably thought they didn't have. Can you um, tell me the difference between breastfeeding and chest feeding? Because that's a new term for me. Yeah, absolutely. So breastfeeding is a term that's used for anyone that identifies with having breasts. Um, And then chest feeding is just a term that's used for someone who feeds an infant from their body, but doesn't identify with having breasts. So a transgender parent or anyone that just doesn't identify with that body part. So it's a term that just, they're more comfortable with that. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. Let me know if yeah. I didn't cover anything. Is there anything that I'm forgetting? Yeah, no, no, no. So I did want to talk a little bit about the Milky Movement, which is this yeah. movement that I started. It started as a support group for women and birthing parents with an interest in breast or chest feeding. Um, and I it started with just like one friend's was interested in breastfeeding, wanted to breastfeed, didn't have the support of her provider. So I got on the phone and started calling providers until I found one that would support her. Um, and and then what's it, it called? The what movement? The Milky Movement. Like um, M-I-L-K-Y? Mm-hmm. And so then cute. <laughs> the movement has two O's because my daughter and my son called breastfeeding Milky Moos. So that's where that came from. <laughs> and how do women find that? Um, so I have a link tree okay. slash the milky movement to O's. Um, there's an Instagram as well as a Facebook group. Um, uh-huh. and the actual support group is on the messaging app telegram. And we have like mothers who are, are now successfully breastfeeding the negative tests are coming back and it's just, it's really awesome. So and just out of curiosity, has anybody transmitted? No. Awesome. No. Awesome. And I'll, I'll include those links um, for sure. in my YouTube channel and on the podcast for sure. That's awesome. and how many women right now are in the, uh, that are part of the movement? 30 or 30. are in the messaging group right now. Yeah. Awesome. And it is, you know, we have the space for like lactation questions or, um, you know, just like the anxiety of waiting for the test to come back, your child's test to come back. And then like the celebrations when the negative tests do come back and we get to share that with each other. And there's a lot of baby spam and it's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay. Well, Heather, I'm going to let you go. And I really, God, I appreciate you doing this so much. I'm so glad we connected. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I'm so glad. It's really full circle for me. Cause like I said, like your video is one of the first things that gave me peace. So, oh, I'm so glad. Yeah really what there's other people out there and, um, I'm not alone, you know? Yeah, totally. I felt like there was no, I wasn't finding any women. I just kept finding men. And I was like, and everything I found was really negative. It was like people mad at people. And I'm like, there's nobody saying that this is kind of okay. And we're going to be okay. You know, it's like, I just wanted something a little bit more uh, positive, you know? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you saw it. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll connect online um, after this for sure. Thank you. All right, Heather. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. You too. Have a good one. Hug that husband. I will. (laughs) Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.